Your Partner in Success Radio is a free business podcast with host Denise Griffiths. It's all about great stories, conversation, and context to help you move your business and life forward with actionable tips and advice from her guest experts. To listen and subscribe, just find us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you consume your podcasts. Welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. I'm your host, Denise Griffiths, and this podcast is ranked in the top 2% of the most popular podcasts globally. And honestly, it's because of my guests. I am honored and blessed to share time with people who are at the top of their game and who are willing to come on this show and help you get to where you want to be in life and in business. These are not people who hold back. Their goal is to share with us the essence of peak performance, and they always do. And today our topic is executive coaching, specifically raising the quality bar in executive coaching. And my guest, John Reed, Ph.D., MBA, MCC, is also a 100 Coaches member. I think it's called MG. Yeah, Marshall Gold. I'm going to have him correct me in a minute, but he's a 100 Coaches member certified as a Master Coach by three organizations. Marshall Goldsmith, there it is. I knew it was there somewhere. Um, the International Coach Federation and the Association of Corporate Executive Coaches. Now, he is known globally as a top executive coach and trusted advisor of senior leaders. And many, this is important because we're going to be talking about standards. Many also consider John the leading advocate for stronger standards and competencies for practicing coaches to professionalize the industry. And he's got a whole lot of other things that I want him to share with you because I'm going to bore you to death if I read all this stuff. John, welcome <laughs> to your partner in Success Radio. It's Thank like, you there's so just much, too Denise. much to share. Well, I I know we're of like mind, and we, you know, we're interested in raising the bar, and you have certainly done that, uh, and been very successful at that. So I'm delighted to be to be on with you. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And listen, John, thank you for sending me your book. And the book, we're going to talk about this a bit, too, is Pinpointing Excellence. And I happen to love that. I mean, there's no room for misunderstanding what that means. And then it goes on to say, succeed with great executive coaching and steer clear of the rest. So before I I start, I've got a ton of questions. Before I get started, tell people a bit about you that you think is important for for them to know before we start chatting. Sure, sure. Well, again, so nice to be with you, Denise. Uh, I'll just say kind of very quickly by background, I didn't start out in life wanting to be a coach or even know what executive coaching was. I went to I went to business school uh, at Dartmouth and came out and Back then, we either went into management consulting or investment banking, and I went into consulting and did that for 11 years and then realized that I was getting interested in helping other executives, and I didn't exactly know what to do that, how to do that, but I went back to school to be trained as an executive coach and organizational psychologist, and then joined Anderson Consulting, was in the strategy practice, but also starting to do a little bit of coaching. 
And that, that was 20, almost 25 years ago. Um, and so I'm very lucky to have had some, some good educational opportunities. Um, and I also kind of, as soon as I started into working with executives as a coach, I realized what you've just alluded to, uh, Denise, that there were no requirements for anybody to meet to state that they were an executive coach or actually to start selling their services as an executive coach if they could get away with it. And I heard stories um, over time about some people who unfortunately spent a lot of money and got let's just say kindly, less than terrific service in return. Um, So for me personally, actually that was a nice opportunity because comparatively speaking, I I guess I had a pretty good background and and, uh, training, but I began to get concerned about industry overall And so back in 2011, wrote uh, an initial book about essentially a buyer's guide to how to select an executive coach, how to vet someone who says that they're an executive coach. And then uh, this year, uh, wrote a second book, uh, sort of a major expansion and update on the first book. basically saying that executive coaching has been making progress towards becoming a profession, but there are still very significant issues that consumers and aspiring coaches need to be aware of. So um, I, I really am just trying as, as a practitioner, I also want to do what I can to help consumers more broadly um, get the, the largest return for their investment of time and money uh, in coaching. No Is that short enough? No, that, <laughs> and that's perfect because now I've got other questions for you. You didn't know I was going to you know, do a question and answer thing here. But there's, there's a lot, a lot, a lot all over the Internet, all over my industries. You know, coaching, coaching, you need a coach, you need to be a coach. Listen, I firmly believe in mentorships, coaches, mentors, you know, guides, whoever whoever can help me, I'm going to either employ them or network with them. I'm always looking, I'm very curious, I'm always looking for, for answers. You know, and by the way, everybody who's listening to me, I never get the right answer the first time. Never take my first word, okay? <laughs> Don't <laughs> I'm warning you. <laughs> I've just given up and said, okay, darn it, I'm not perfect. But what I wanted to ask you, John, is the difference. But, but when I say coaching, that's a very blanket term. I mean, there's life coaches, there's birthing coaches, there's oh, I saw one the yeah. other day for a dental coach. I didn't even go oh. see what it was all about. I, I just couldn't go down that road. But and, yeah. and listen, I'm a firm believer in coaching. To some degree, I am one, but I'm not certified mm-hmm. in anything mm-hmm. yet. But I, you know, we all do a lot of coaching. You you said it, consulting, which then you know, can oftentimes become coaching. But what I'd like for you, John, to explain 
clearly for the people in the back row, that would be me. What is the difference between executive coaching and let's just say blanket coaching, you know, personal sewing, whatever it's going to be? But there's a big difference. I mean, there's a big burden on executive coaches. I mean, you have to know your stuff. Well, yeah, and in this day and age, given the fact that that the rate of change is just accelerating and the level of ambiguity that executives have to deal with every day, coming in, particularly coming out of the pandemic, is getting much, much more challenging very quickly uh, to be a useful, helpful executive coach. You really need to, to be on your game. It's, it's not just showing up and having a nice, cozy conversation over coffee with somebody. Um, they, they are in need of help, high-quality help. Um, and so sort of the perfect storm that I write about in the book is that that is increasing from clients, from executives, and at the same time, there is not enough in terms of truly certified, appropriately trained executive coaches to meet that need. So what you what you have are outcomes for many people that are just not satisfactory. So, um, and back to your your question, and it's a very good one, Denise. Executive coaching is specifically around helping people who are sort of major players or have significant responsibilities in organizations, right? And that can be entrepreneurs, that can be uh, formal corporate executives, uh, it can be heads of nonprofits, but these are people who have to shepherd organizations through an environment that is essentially changing every day. The rate of change, the rate of shifting is accelerating. So um, that's a, for that, uh, I, think, I think my point of view is that at, at the very least, someone who's an executive coach needs to have a strong background in business that's one of four things I'll mention. But, uh, for example, having a strong MBA and some related experience is helpful uh, because you have to be able to speak the language and understand what's going on in the organization and with the individual client. Um, general coaching can be, just as you said, it can be essentially almost anything. It can be life coaching. It can be fine arts coaching. It can be career coaching. It can be um, gosh, physical training coaching. It, it, podcast it's a, coasting. In, coasting. It can be pod, I podcast coaching. I can't even coaching. see it, but I'm cold. I need to tell you, it's 21 degrees here where I am in southwest Louisiana. This is very unusual. <laughs> And I love this weather, but my fingers are cold and my nose is cold, and I'm in the house. <laughs> oh my gosh. Just bear with uh, me. <laughs> you know. 
Oh, no. I love yeah. this weather, and it feels like Christmas finally. So, I, but I, I was here going in to, Miami, and I did. It's, it's go. I was sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to add podcast coaching. I was going to, you know, toot my own horn. Absolutely. And then I got distracted because my nose is cold. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're you're a brave lady, Denise. That's all we we need to know. Um, so, very quickly, the largest. Uh, coaching organization in the world, the International Coach Federation, ICF, has well in excess of 40,000 members around the world. But that organization trains people in general coaching, right? So it trains people in there are eight, eight sort of general competencies that can be applied to any kind of coaching, and I think that's very good. Um, and I'm a I'm well. It's a, a place coach. to start, right? I mean, you yes. have to start yes. somewhere. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And if you have that as a foundation, that's a great place, as you know, to start from. Um, however, the ICF would be the first to tell you that they don't provide specific training in executive coaching, uh, and. Uh, so that's something that, that, that would be helpful for executive coaches, obviously, to have. Uh, example, and there are so many different varieties of coaching, all without any particular uh, required education and training, education, uh, that, that um, it, it, it's it's a sort of a roll of the dice for many consumers when they hear someone say, uh, I'm a uh, fill in the blank. I'm a fill in the blank coach, executive coach, uh, palm reading coach. Uh, you know, I'm being a little facetious here, but um, which is why I, I also try to detail three other areas where an executive coach should have depth. Well, business is certainly one of them. If you're talking, speaking with executives who clearly are going to be looking at a lot of things within the organization, financials being part of it, I mean, sure. you need to know what's what's going on. So you've got four critical competencies that you think that um, executive coaches really need. So we covered business. I'm writing this down. What is the next one? Well, and... Denise, I also want to say that uh, I'm not the only person who advocates for these these competencies. Um, uh, I, the, over the years, a number of people have advocated for some of them. I happen to be the person that put together a a way of tracking and measuring depth in all four of them. Um, and so I, I, I want to be sure I'm crediting a lot of colleagues who are also very supportive of this and a lot of clients around the, around the world. So, uh, but the other three um, are, first one is um, psychology or training in a social science because executive coaching is all about positive behavior change, 
is uh, adjusting or modulating uh, behaviors that don't work for you or that are counterproductive and so on. So understanding behavior change and how to facilitate it and also how to not step in the way of it is, is very important, particularly when you're dealing with very intelligent, very driven people who can have uh, lots of, lots of uh, issues or barriers in some cases to behavior change. It can be challenging. So as an executive coach, you need to know about it and understand how to, how to help encourage it and, and maintain it with clients. So psychology, and the second part of that is usually there's quite a lot of, um, at least in the work that I and other people do, in psychological assessments for executives, for executive clients. Obviously, being trained as a psychologist, if you're using psychological assessments, is very important, but you'd be amazed at the number of people who have, I would say, superficial to almost no training in in some of these assessments, and they have they have their clients fill out an assessment and not really know very much about how to interpret and apply it so that it's helpful for the client. So that's psychology. Right, John, I have to ask uh, you, are we talking about yeah. like the Colby assessments or some of those that are available yeah. online if you pay a fee? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, okay. There are a whole range of them, but uh, for example, the Hogan, H-O-G-A-N assessments are, um, are, are, are very, very well thought of, um, very highly reliable and highly valid in what they measure. And they don't really measure... In a clinical sense, they don't measure psychopathology. They they simply measure how your personality uh, and behaviors and attitudes might be showing up at work for you. So it's it's very much focused on the executive coaching area. So the Hogan assessments are an example of of a great uh, set of assessments. Um, and then we've mentioned the, the importance of having fundamental soundness and a good foundation in coaching. And so the, the fourth area, which I think is very important, and I know you agree with this, Denise, is ethics. So I, I'm a licensed organizational psychologist as well as a and I work under the ethics codes of the American Psychological Association and the International Coach Federation, which really means since I'm providing intangible services, that I'm doing my very best to meet the, the needs and priorities of the client. I'm treating the work that we do confidentially uh, and there are a whole other uh, uh, series of things that an ethics code will detail and that responsible people adhere to. So, again, I would say those four things, 
business, psychology, coaching, and ethics are, are what people should expect in serious, well-trained, highly qualified executive coaches. And this is something, I mean, you haven't described anything that to me isn't common sense, that we should know. We should know mm-hmm. these things, but the truth is we don't know what we don't know. We don't know who mm-hmm. to hire. We don't know how to. Listen, I think there's another side to this. You know, I, I'm always looking on both sides of a website, so to speak. I'm building it mm-hmm. and I'm visiting it. But mm-hmm. So my brain mm-hmm. just works that way. But on the other side of that, will your next be, book be how to hire people like us so you don't get you know, hit by a truck? I mean, well, it, listen, it, I've heard some stories too. That's a, you know what I I have been asked about whether some of what is in the book could be applied to the the screening of candidates for executive jobs, for example, and in some ways a, a good part of it could be because it gets at um, understanding what makes this person tick, what their motivations are, their view of the world, their level of self-awareness, their emotional intelligence, all kinds of things that honestly in the 21st century are pretty critical for anybody you hire to have. So I've had some people tell me that they, they have used what's in the book to guide not only how they vet executive coaches, but also in in part how they vet just about anybody that they're recruiting. So I don't claim to be an expert on on sort of recruiting methodologies, but I am an expert at evaluating people as a psychologist. And uh, so I'm, I'm glad that uh, that people outside of the executive coaching space from time to time apparently can benefit from what's in the book. Well, I would think that they would because no matter what kind of coach that you want to be or you kind of get roped into it as your life experiences widen and you learn more things and need to share that information with other people. But it it just occurs to me that, I mean, let's just say you're, you're a fishing coach. I think people like mm-hmm. to fish a lot. I don't, but mm-hmm. you know, they're fishers. Yeah. Yeah. But you have to have everything that you just mentioned. You have to have all of those things. You need to have a slight business mind because you're going to be dealing with this person in your business. So you have to have at least the rudiments of that, the psychology mm-hmm. and the, the sciences. I don't, I'm not sure about that, but you know, ethics absolutely. So. Sure. Why why wouldn't people just say, okay, how do I, I'm a brand new coach, I'm not really very good at this, I'm having a hard time getting, you know, clients, what do I need to learn and present in order to attract those clients? Mm-hmm. And I would mm-hmm. say, make yourself better. Read books like, like John's book, Pinpointing Excellence. Make yourself better with everything you do. Well, thank you. Denise, that's very kind of you, but and, and it's, you know, um, people 
who may be seeking executive coaching help can be under stress, can be uh, going through a difficult time perhaps in, in their work life, if not also their personal life. So it, part of the reason for having the book is to help them be aware of their own tendencies or biases uh, so that they are not lured in to circumstances by somebody who might be a nice person, right? Might be a friendly person, might be a reassuring person, uh, might be a very good salesperson. Again, all, all those things. Uh, and will will not explain to you how well qualified he or she is in the in those four areas. So if you don't ask about them and pin down where the person is, you could make you could make a decision and select somebody who who is nice and is maybe well intentioned also. You know, somebody who is going into executive coaching because they they genuinely want to help people, which is admirable. But again, all I have to do is chew gum and fog a mirror to be able to claim myself as an executive coach. And a, a certain number of people that I speak with and pitch myself to will not know how to vet me and will roped in. So I'm really trying to minimize the chance of that happening uh, before people put their own career growth and money uh, on the line. Well, and there, yes, absolutely. And speaking of online, because we need to talk about that too, how you present yourself as a coach, as a business, because you're both, You've got a lot going on on your website. I'm going to tell people, go there. You need to go see what this guy's doing. But there's, it should be easy for us to find people like you if you're online. And I think mm-hmm. this is where a lot of coaches, and it doesn't matter what arena they're in, they're, and I'll hear it, oh, you know, I just I can't find any clients. And Well, where are you on the Internet? Oh, I've got Facebook. Okay. Yes. What else? Yes. That's it. What else? That's, you know, yeah. So it's very important for us to find you. We need to be able to follow you, pay attention mm-hmm. to you, see what you're up to, not what you're saying, what you're doing. That's a big difference there. Yeah. And know you, like you, and trust you. And then we want to say, hey, can we talk? But you've got yes. these days, if you're not online, you're sitting in a closet sucking your thumb. I don't know what you're yeah. doing, but you're not out there. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm lucky in that I have, I have uh, some folks who are uh, expert at uh, working in social media and technology. Who, what I've said to them is, look, I, I want this information disseminated for free to anybody who needs it however that can be done uh, so so it can be as widely available as possible so that people will be armed to have the most satisfying uh, and and uh, 
essentially rewarding experiences that they can in the executive coaching field. And you know, these one thing I I also encourage is asking the question, is this the right time for you, you the the, the interested person, to be getting coaching, right? It's it's sort of a trendy, cool thing to do. But if, for example, you're not really clear about what you want to get out of coaching, uh, uh, it, it's not really the right thing for you to jump into um, just because it's, it's something that sounds like everybody else is doing. So one of the, when, when someone approaches me and says, could we work together? I usually say, well, Let's talk about this. If we could hit a home run, knock it out of the park for you in executive coaching a year from now, or whatever the the length of the engagement is, a year from now, what would that look like? What would shift? And why would that be important to you? And why would you be motivated to work towards that? And if I don't if I don't get a clear answer about that, I, you know, I will refer that person to the International Coach Federation, for example, to look to look for some other coaches. Uh, I, I I want to be working with somebody who's really focused and motivated. But there are a lot of a lot of situations where I I just because it's the best thing for the person. The conversation is having that we're having a conversation with is just to say, maybe maybe now is not the ideal time. Why don't you see if you can pin down this and this and this, and then we'll talk. And that's what I think an ethical coach should right. do. I agree with you. I do the same thing in my web development business and yep. my my digital agency. If we're not going to be a good fit, or I really don't think I can help you, I'm not your yep. person. But we're talking yeah. about executive coaching, and I, I wrote this down because it seemed kind of important, but when people get to, to people like you and they really are looking for specific coaching, I'm thinking that it's because there's something urgent going on. Mm-hmm. Or I mean, if there's a certain amount of urgency to need an executive a coach. Am I right or wrong? Ideally, that that's exactly what... what uh, you would have. You'd have somebody, for example, uh, who is uh, groomed, grooming uh, by the company uh, to step into the C-suite. Or within the C-suite, you might have a chief operating officer who is being groomed to become the chief executive officer. Uh, or you could have a high potential uh person earlier in their career, very talented, maybe an individual contributor who is being groomed to step into their first managerial leadership role where they're responsible for other people. Uh, and that that can be a big step. So um, people on those particular growth paths um, are, you know, 
are, are excellent candidates for coaching. They're already very high functioning and very motivated uh, to take advantage of it. Uh, once in a while, you will you will encounter somebody who, uh, let's just say, wants to build a new skill set, right? Maybe their level of executive presence, for example, could be stronger, right? And they're let's say they're they're now in a role <clears throat> where they're out in front of people uh, much more often, and in some cases, in front of large audiences pretty regularly, uh, that's another opportunity for them to add skills that are relevant to their being successful in their, let's say, their new role. So those are are a couple of answers, uh, Denise. Well, thank you. Now, we're talking, I've got all kinds of questions. My brain is just going zit, zit. Okay, so (laughs) (laughs) you we had touched on this really kind of in a general way at the top because we're talking about ethics and we're talking about just how an unregulated industry is really emergent. And I don't think this is a new emergence. Emergence. It's been around for a while, but I've Mm -hmm. seen this in other industries. I saw it in the virtual assistance industry. I mean, mm-hmm. we, starting out, we tried every, we tried to do everything that you mentioned in the four competencies. And then all of a sudden, somebody decided to hire somebody for five bucks an hour from, from the field. I don't know, but mm-hmm. all of a sudden, the mm-hmm. virtual assistance industry dove. It just dove because anybody and their grandmother had a keyboard was now yeah. a virtual assistant, and they weren't. They didn't understand the actual work that needed to be done. They didn't mm-hmm. understand that we work with our clients, we work in their voice. They didn't understand any of it. And it yeah. sounds like what you're talking about, it, it's with, with the VA industry and, and with your industry, too many people get in there, and God bless them all. I mean, seriously, if you're willing to try to be an entrepreneur or do something that you really feel right about, good for you, but let's stick with the ethics. Well, it's, you, you said that beautifully, Denise. The, you know, asking the question, am I meeting the client's real needs and am I trained and educated to be able to do that? Uh, or am I out of my depth? And if I'm out of my depth, uh, then I should essentially back myself out of that particular engagement. That's the ethical thing to do. Um, and so uh, it's it seems like common sense, but the other thing that is happening that I know you see all the time is that some people move into coaching because they are uh, disappointed with what they were doing previously or there was a disruption in what they were doing previously. Um, And so they see that as as an alternative to them, which it may be, but there are also so many people who enter the field and 
don't know very much about how to market themselves, right? So there's a there's a whole industry of people who are pitching themselves as marketing and sales experts, branding experts for coaches, right? And in the same way that coaches themselves don't have to meet any particular requirements, people who are pitching themselves as marketing strategy experts for coaches don't have to either. So you could have the blind leading the blind, right? Um, and uh, what what happens also if you're trying to differentiate yourself and sell your services as a coach, what I'm seeing increasingly, and this is something that's dangerous for consumers, but consumers should know about it, is that there are a lot of coaches who are investing time in becoming more skilled at pitching themselves, at marketing themselves superficially uh, online in many cases, and they're not investing comparable amounts of time or energy in actually training themselves to deliver coaching services. Uh, so again, if if you're you're hearing or you're in front of or connected to somebody who is calling himself an executive coach and they're very good at being reassuring and they know let's just say they don't have any psychological training or coaching training or ethical training but they happen to have had business training right and let's just say i'm that person and i'm trying to sell myself to you denise i will steer the conversation into how i've had this great depth of experience working over X number of years in thus and such industry. So I know exactly what you, Denise, are facing because you're a businesswoman too, right? And you and I could have a great conversation about that. And you, you might not even ask me to clarify my depth of skill and training in the other three areas. And then I will have succeeded in winning your business. And then later it will become apparent to you that I'm great at sharing, sharing war stories on the business side, but I'm not very good at the other three things that are necessary to be delivering excellent service for you. And at that point, Unfortunately, your money may be spent, right? So we see this so again, in all industries. Yeah, it's yeah, it's everywhere. Yeah. It's everywhere. I, yeah. I wanted to ask you because we're talking about coaching, but and I'm not a coach. I'm not trained. I don't pretend to be a coach. I can yell. I guess I'm a coach <laughs> there, but that's, that's, that's my only coaching skill right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I could probably do it in two languages if I had to, but, you know, there's, wow. there's, 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 that's it. Wow. But anyway, I wanted to, to kind of cement the idea that consultants are not coaches, and coaches 
are not consultants necessarily. Mm-hmm. Although That's I right. think as coaching, you are doing some consulting. So yeah. there may be a, yeah. a little bit of a bump there. But I think it's important for people to understand if they're offering new services or they're looking for new services, they need to understand the differences between those two disciplines, if, if we yes. should call them that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I and this is this is simplifying it some, but having you know worked for two large consulting firms for a total of maybe fourteen years, uh, consulting is about uh, providing advice, providing uh, instruction on how to do X, Y, or Z better. I was a strategy consultant. So if you were trying to develop a strategy, um, uh, the colleagues and I would be able to help you analyze your market, analyze what competitors were doing, and therefore architect a strategy that, that in all likelihood would be helpful to you. So that's, you know, that's the expert model, right? But if you need help in changing your behavior, right, or you need um, help in regaining your self-esteem around a particular situation, or you need to get trained up for a brand new set of circumstances, right, you need somebody who, who... can be helpful in you opening up and processing what's going on. That's where psychology is very important. Um, And also help you build self-awareness about why these particular things might be bothering you. And then what to do in order to improve upon that situation. And that can be behavior, that could be how you talk to yourself, the messages that you give yourself. There are a whole range of things that are that are likely contributing. But again, if you're not trained that way and you're just leaning into the consulting that you've always done, you really are not bringing to the party what you need in executive coaching. Did I answer your question, Denise? You did, and that that spawned another one. So thank you. <laughs> Wait, one, <laughs> I have a very curious mind, apparently. But you are, you while do. we're talking, wow. <laughs> well, I don't know if that my mama didn't think that was a good thing. Let me tell you, um, <laughs> she just didn't. She would you just sit down? No, <laughs> when we talk. One of the things that you said way up at the top of the show is, is shepherding. And if I'm reading this correctly, because I am a consultant, you know, I don't know mm-hmm. that um, sure. what I would actually call myself, but a business, a small business consultant, if you will, mostly on sure. social media. But mm-hmm. I don't claim to be a coach, as I've said before. But I'm noticing, speaking with you and having read your book, that a consultant, basically, we just get bossy. We work with you and we tell you what to do, and then you do it, and nobody gets hurt if you do it right. So, and I know I'm being snarky today, but my feet are cold. Did I mention that already? <laughs> we should, we should Women do not like having cold feet. <laughs> so, 
the difference between a consultant is we work with you. We try to you know, lead you, guide you, give you some suggestions. Mm-hmm. Definitely, we're we're working on your business with you, whether it's a social media marketing, whatever it's going to be. But yeah. we're in agreement. We help you. We guide you. We offer advice. We offer resources. We offer whatever it needs to have to happen. But basically, we're telling you what to do, how to do it, basically. But a coach is largely shepherding you. Is that about right? That's different, I think. Well, and it's, it's I, maybe if you were to take me as an example, having been <coughs> uh, a, co- a consultant, there, there in, in the coaching work that I do, there's, there is an element of what you might call uh, leadership advising, where you're, a little bit more prescriptive. You're you're a little more uh, willing to say, look, obviously this is X and Y and Z haven't been working as well as you'd like. I'd recommend that you do bing, 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 right? Um, so you, you might even call that loosely consulting. Um, but the other typical part of a coaching engagement is um, the client wants to achieve certain outcomes developmentally. They want to grow to be more effective at X, Y, and Z. And that is not going to happen by me telling you how I'm great at X, Y, and Z. That's a totally different different opportunity. I, I want to help you uh, get your feet underneath you and begin to go through the process, which in some cases is challenging, of changing your behavior or adding new behaviors and skills um, and doing that and getting feedback from your colleagues, for example, 360 feedback from your colleagues so you know how you're being perceived by them. And then ideally, maybe later in the engagement, going back out to your colleagues to get feedback from them about how they see the progress that you've been making in coaching of developing new behaviors or changing other behaviors, that kind of thing. So it's, it's really not the expert strategy consulting model or, in your case, social media consulting model. It's more um, meeting you where you are and then trying to equip you and bring you along the path of getting better at fill in the blank, whatever that happens to be. Uh, does that does that make sense? It does. And I'm, it, yes, and thank you. I'm on page 152 and you're talking about the personal transformation because, look, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know mm-hmm. if we're being, you know, deliberately annoying or malignant, you know, or some people are, or if we're just yeah. built that way. You know, if maybe mm-hmm. we just don't have that much in the way of social skills and we can be annoying or sometimes rude without yeah. meaning it. We don't know. We don't know. So, exactly. yeah, so you're talking about helping walk us through what somebody would have to do let's just say that 
somebody in your organization went to you and said, listen, you make people uncomfortable. You know, if there's just, it's the way you approach people or maybe the curt, you know, the curt way that you are when you're speaking with people, but people are uncomfortable around you. We think you've got great business, whatever, blah, 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 yep. but we would like to to make some changes or find out if you're interested in making changes. So walk us yeah. through what happens there. Sure. Well, uh, assuming then that, so you've just been told that this is this is a development area for you, and then you and I are having a conversation. And again, I'm assuming then that you're motivated and interested in addressing this, right? And then in the, what you're particularly talking about, <clears throat> Denise, is kind of under the general category of emotional intelligence. In other words, how well am I reading the people around me and how well am I reading how I'm landing coming across to the people around me uh, and how self-aware am I? How aware am I of what tends to trigger me to behave in ways where I'm not, I'm not coming across very well to you, right? So there are lots of different things that, that you want to become better at understanding. Um, and, and again, a good way to begin that process is to, I can give, I can give you an assessment or two on emotional intelligence, and that may help to identify some areas that we can explore. Uh, I can get, as I said earlier, go out and, uh, as a psychologist, get some, uh, 360 feedback from, the people who are finding you difficult to work with and find out specifically what what is bugging them, right? Um, and then that, that gives us a basis on which to start working on you knowing when you're in a situation what will trigger you, and then I could help you have uh, lots of different alternative ways of behaving when you get that trigger, not just sort of being like like being hooked by by a fishing line, right? You you will uh, be able to respond in a way that reflects well on you, and that will make the people around you be more satisfied in working with you, right? Um, so, but again, we would be rehearsing situations, right? Uh, so, you know, Denise, I know that it, you tend to get provoked when you encounter somebody who is lazy or someone who is quick to blame other people or whatever the triggers happen to be. And here's what typically happens, but let's let's try try on a couple of different alternative to that. And so we, we work on equipping you to come across uh, differently. So another word that tends to come up a lot is perception management, so that you're better able to manage the perceptions that other people 
have of you. Um, so that would be, I hope I'm answering your question, that would be some of the possible ways we could go about finding out specifically what needs to change and then go about helping you change it. Right. Well, first of all, when if I had come to you and said, my people don't like me, <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> I probably would have been whiny or mad or both. So I'm sure that you uh-huh. kind of, people are like, what do you mean people don't, I don't understand. <laughs> why, why don't they like me? But we, again, we don't know, we don't know. But I'm guessing that you have to ask people once they're saying, yes, I'm all in. I'm, I have been observing myself. Because that's what it takes, doesn't it? Yes. Once these things are pointed yes. out, then you have to stand back, take a breath, and say, "Well, that didn't work out well." And why but didn't? It? Is that where they start? You know, observing themselves. Yeah, yeah. I mean, literally, uh, sometimes I can comment on how, when we're in a coaching session, how that person's say nonverbal behavior is making me feel, let's say this is a person who uh, tends to look at their phone chronically when they're in meetings. And they're only doing that because they want to sort of keep tabs on what's going on. And they don't realize that that can send the message that they're not being attentive to what the other person has to say, right? But sometimes I can learn about some of their mannerisms the way that they, the tone of voice that they use, whether they look me in the eye when they're talking with me, um, how how carefully they seem to be listening to what I'm saying, all all the the the, the very basic things that are part of good communication, that for one reason or another, this person might not be aware of because no one has called them on it. And so then we, we, we start to develop a list of the things to pay attention to and how to do things differently. Sometimes it can start right in the session. I don't need to see them interacting with other people uh, because as a psychologist, I can see pretty quickly how they're impacting me. And, and sometimes that can be very helpful. It would be. And, you know, people, I get so tired of this, oh, we're not supposed to make judgment. Yes, we are. Judgment keeps us alive. So, you know, if you're making bad judgments or you're not really paying attention to how people are judging you, this is a good time to sit back and say, "Hmm, you know, I probably was rude to that lady in the grocery store the other day. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't have done that. Mm -hmm. But you caught it. You caught it. But if this is a chronic thing for you and people just give you a wide berth, you may want to sit down with yourself. That's that's sometimes, and if you're particularly talented in areas of business, right? Let's say you're a terrific uh, strategist or you're terrific uh, in supply chain management or or fill in the blank. Uh, People will cut you a wide berth because you're adding a lot of value in that function, but sooner or later, if you are escalating and you're moving up in the ranks, it's your ability to work with, manage, and lead people 
energize and mobilize and build trust with people that becomes at least as important as your functional expertise in supply chain. That's the point where sometimes the red light goes on and it becomes useful to get a well-qualified executive coach. And I hope I wasn't coughing on you. I was muting you through there for a minute. Um, (laughs) If I coughed, I'm sorry. (laughs) But what you're talking about, everything that you just described is is also going to impact their personal life, is it? And I'm not one of these that says, oh, you have to have a work-life balance. It's all the same thing for me. I don't figure out, I've never figured out how I can separate them. But but the thing is, I mean, if you're learning things at your job because you need to learn those, you know, to either be a better leader or go on up that chain or get fired, I mean, you you got you've got some decisions to make but wouldn't it i mean it just seems to me that if you're making this kind of progress and making these changes internally that's going to it's going to flow through your life you're going to be better in everything i think you're 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 hitting a, a very important point and very insightfully that uh, i would say that at least the, the sort of situations that i deal with they're there is a nice uh, flow of benefits to the personal life as well as the as well as the professional life because usually the the positive behavior changes that will help you at work in relating to people and leading them will also help you at home um, and absolutely. Uh, so, so you know, people are people, and emotional intelligence can be just as valuable in your personal life, if not more valuable, and sometimes they can reinforce each other as you become better in the way you relate to your partner, spouse, significant other. Uh, that will give you confidence to bring those behaviors into how you relate to your, to your colleagues. Uh, how you communicate with your colleagues, what sort of nonverbal communication you use in in conversations and in meetings with people, all those kinds of things. And um, uh, but that's a very that's a very good insight on your part. Well, it just it makes sense. To, you know, you you're obviously not going to say, okay, I really like these things that they made me clear out, so I'm going to use those at home. Yeah. <laughs> Does that make a lick of sense to you? Yeah. You, you know, you hope you don't bump into, you know, a narcissist who, who, you know, will, will say the right things <laughs> in coaching and then go home and behave, you know, in the worst possible way. Uh, so, uh, you know, now you started but, me down another road. I'm not going to <laughs> I will blame you when uh, I'm having lucid dreams tonight and trying to oh not boy. kill somebody. Boy, <laughs> I, I have ethical responsibilities I'm supposed to be meeting today, so okay. now you're putting me on the spot. <laughs> I'm just all right, kidding. I take it all back, mostly. <laughs> so, listen, where can people find you? I mean, you've got a terrific website, but... 
Is there anything, before I let you go, is there anything that you want the audience to know about that I didn't think to ask about? Well, if, if they, to, to learn about uh, the book, they can just go to pinpointing excellence, all one word, pinpointingexcellence.com. Um, and that will also take them to uh, the web, the website of our firm where they can get some more information. Um, and uh, my email is just John, J-O-H-N, at Quinn Reed Associates, all one word, dot com. Quinn, Q-U-I-N-N, Reed, R-E-E-D, Associates, plural, plural dot com. And I would be delighted to, to hear from uh, from, from anybody I could possibly help. Uh, and this has been a terrific uh, chance to, to visit with you, Denise. I'm very grateful. Well, thank you. I'm so glad you came on the show. When I, I'm, I had already met you, and then I read your book and went, oh, my gosh. To be honest, I wasn't sure I could do it, you know, any kind of – give me a word. Justice. still. Yes, justice. Yeah. I'm not yeah. normally this goofy, but I really am highly chilled right now, which is well, you, unusual you, for me. So. Yeah, you but, did. Uh, uh, your questions uh, were were excellent. They made sense. All right. They absolutely did. They absolutely did. I, I, you know, I think we should we should call out the uh, the fire department of of the Louisiana area that you're in, so that they can <laughs> arrive and you know put you in a big thermal blanket. There you go. Or you should just, you know, scoot over here to uh, Miami Coral Gables, where I am. And, you know, be but you've got all the sunshine. Here. We don't That's have right. any right now. <laughs> <laughs> I sound whiny, don't I? I wait for, listen, I live in southwest Louisiana. We have two, two seasons, hot and hotter in hell. But every once in a while, we get, you know, four or five days in a row, and we'll have spring or we'll have, you know, autumn. And this, we're actually having winter right now. We might get a whole 10 days. So, and I wait because I love this kind of weather. I do until I get really cold. And then I'm not liking it so much. But, yes. And what people don't understand about this humidity is when it, the temperatures drop way down, that humidity will go straight through you. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, yes. Oh, it's painful. I remember, remember <laughs> growing up in New England, and, and that was, right. you went from sort of spring rain and or, or, you know, fall, autumn rain and slush to, you know, 20 below zero, and it, uh, you know, it it hits hard. It hits hard. It but anyway, listen, John, thank you so much. So I really want people to listen to you about coaching of any description, but you know, ex because everything that you've talked about to me should apply to all coaching. Whatever it is that you're doing, do it with those those four things that, that are just so important, those four competencies. You've got to have well, them. You are you are very kind to to include me on this marvelous podcast Denise and if it if it ends up helping anybody around the world 
have better results in executive coaching. That's really what I'm what I'm interested in. So uh, wow. I'm very Thank grateful, you. and and uh, this has been terrific. It's been wonderful speaking with you. I mean, I always enjoy speaking with you. And I thank you for all of the terrific tips and the advice that you've shared with our audience. And everybody, seriously, grab his book. Find him on LinkedIn. Go talk to this man. So before we say goodbye, I would like to remind our audience to be sure to look for us on iTunes, Amazon, Stitcher, honestly, anywhere else you consume your business podcasts. The truth is you can't throw a stick on the Internet without hitting your partner in Success Radio. So find us and take us along on your success journey. John, thank you so much. It's a pleasure, Denise. Thank you. I'm sure you can hear my cat. I'm going to go hushing. Get your voice heard. If you would like to launch your own far-reaching podcast, contact Denise Griffiths at yourofficeontheweb.com and go to the podcast tab. 